0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect podcast show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is Thursday, January 12th, 2017, and you guys are listening to episode 289. 11 away from 300, everybody. Uh, How the heck is everybody doing? I hope everybody had a... uh, Nice time in between shows, I hope everybody is having a good start to their 2017 year. You know what's funny is, I'll go on stage and I'll ask like, you know, yeah, how's everybody doing, you guys having a good uh, New Year so far or whatever, and there's always some people like, yeah, and then there's people that like, you could you tell just gave up already on 2017, they're like, fuck it, we're two weeks in, let's, um, <laughs> yeah, let's see, here comes, let's go uh, 2018. People are just like, ah, they're over it. People get over the new year so quickly. They just, you know, everybody's all into it for like three days, and by January 4th, they're like, ah, fuck it. Um, I have a uh, wonderful show for you uh, ladies and gentlemen today. I have a lot of stuff to talk about, and uh, a lot of things I'm passionate about, which means you'll probably be hearing me um, ranting and raving, and um, what can I say? I got to talk about uh, the Giants um, and Packers game, which uh, stings me for many reasons. Um, Got into a couple of arguments with people about it, so I'm going to talk to you guys today about how I feel about that, the sting that is still lingering a little bit with the Giants. Um, But uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, Meryl Streep making some comments about uh, Trump at the Golden Globes. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about a couple of uh, incidents that um, that I've noticed that happened this uh, that happened this week, um, and of course uh, my unacceptable and your guys' unacceptables. So uh, it is a uh, full packed TVE show for you um, this uh, this Thursday in New York, which uh, is very warm and weird. It was snowing two days ago, and about twenty two degrees went down to fourteen degrees and today, uh, two days later, it is, I believe, a high of 62 today, Um, the rain has stopped, the sun is starting to slowly creep out, and it is a very, very weird thing to be in a a winter coat, winter hats, gloves, boots, and then the next day, you're like, I don't even need a jacket, so uh, I don't know, maybe global warming is real, What, what the fuck do I know, all I know is the weather has been really weird. Um, so sit back, relax, wherever you may be, from your home office, from your cubicle, from your car, from the gym on a treadmill, listening to the Verzi Effect podcast. Uh, enjoy. But first, of course, I got to shout out the sponsors for the Verzi Effect. The Verzi Effect podcast is sponsored by City Living Dog and City Living Dog Services and Coach Mike, one of the best dog trainers out there. Matter of fact, uh, Coach Mike who is in the New England area, who uh, you guys saw did a a Facebook Live, and he worked with Lloyd. He's been working with dogs for 17 years, Um, an amazing dog trainer, and um, he's worked wonders with our dogs in in the short time. He's known Lloyd, uh, and I know he could do the same for your dog, but he's also been doing a lot of uh, Facebook Lives and uh, working on dogs. So uh, check him out. Um, His Facebook uh, page is Mike Reed. He goes by Coach Mike. And, um, that's, uh, REID, I believe. And, um, he does a lot of Facebook lives. So if you want to see who I'm talking about, go to his Facebook and check it out. Also go to citylivingdog.com. Go to his, uh, Facebook, his Instagram, and of course his amazing YouTube channel with, uh, all of the dog training, uh, videos that he has on there, which are amazing. Also go to all things comedy for your favorite podcasts. Go to all things comedy records, all things records for your favorite comedy albums Uh, Check them out. Follow them. They're going to be doing a lot of stuff uh, pretty soon. Launching a bunch of new media stuff, I believe. So stay tuned and please check that out because that's going to be really exciting if you are a comedy fan. Check out allthingscomedy.com and follow them on Twitter at allthingscomedy. Now, uh, I'm very excited. I have a lot of... Well, there's a couple things I'm excited for and I really, really want to... uh, I can't now, but uh, I'm going to be making an announcement which I'm thrilled about. I'm really excited about... And, um, you know, you guys will know soon enough, but uh, I will be shooting a special this spring. That is definite. And, uh, we're just working on a lot of different things. Like I mentioned last week. So sit back for that. Um, what a great week I had last weekend, man. i Saturday night was incredible Saturday night. I want to thank everybody and all of the, um, uh, my fans and my podcast listeners who came out did four shows in Manhattan last week. I did a bunch at The Stand. I, I did uh, one over at Stand Up New York. Stand was amazing. had a couple of people come out. I had uh, people from the NFL Network uh, come out. I had a, another, uh, somebody from the, the Vice Network. Now Vice is a TV show. It went from mobile to TV. They have a network now. They came out, and just amazing time uh, at the stand, as always. Standing room only, packed out, amazing lineups. It was me, it was Artie Lang, it was Keith Robinson, it was Derek Gaines, it was hosted by uh, Ron Bennington from the Bennington Show on Sirius Radio. So it was just an insane night. Uh, Both shows there, sold out, packed. Um, I had a weird incident on the first show. Actually, I did three shows. I closed out their first show, which was the early show. Um, so I went on around seven something at night and then I did the 810 and then went over to stand up New York for the midnight show. but <clears throat> when I was closing out the early show, I get on stage and it's never happened before some dude, I just get on stage I grab the microphone I'm like, hey, what's going on?" And like right out of the gate some dude's like, oh Paul Versey, yeah man I've I've been waiting to see you and in this fucking weird <laughs> creepy, And like the whole show just stopped and I'm on stage for like 10 seconds. And I was like, what? And he goes, no, man, I'm a fan of comedy and I'm hearing about you. I was like, can't wait to see your act. And it was just weird though. And I'm like, all right, dude, let me, let me get into this. (laughs) I was like, and he started like saying stuff that he knew about me. And I was like, dude, are you stalking me? And he ended up being a sweetheart who was like a serious comedy nerd, but he had this like very weird, like, is this guy going to follow me and stab me? Like, ah, I've been waiting. And it was, it was fucking weird. Um, and then he ended up laughing at really like some of my dark stuff. So I was like, all right, so maybe it's both. Maybe it was a little weird. And, uh, and he liked my dark stuff, whatever. Either way, that was awesome. The eight and 10 sold out packed. It was so great to see Artie Lang and Keith Robinson and those guys. Just an amazing time. Um, and, uh, so thank you. Thank you guys. Uh, if you came out to those shows, I have a ton of stuff coming up, um, in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, all over. I'm going to be plugging that at the end of the show. Um, uh, where should we start? You know where I'm going to start, guys. I'm going to start with this Giants game. All right, I'm going to start with the Giants. Uh, I and and I'm going to try to make it short because apparently I got a ton of write-ins for the unacceptables this week. I'm going to try to cut that down. Um, to to the newer ones or whatever. So I'm not going to make it the you know that much, but I do have more write-ins this week for the unacceptables than I normally do. So uh, I'm going to try to make that work uh, scheduling-wise uh, as as good as I possibly can. Um, all right, so, Sunday night, after my four shows in the city, I was excited, that Sunday night, you know, it's one thing I really try not to do is work on Sundays, I really want to be home with my family, uh, my kids don't see me enough on weekends as it is, so I want Sunday to be a, you know, when I'm, when I'm traveling, I'm traveling, if I could be home, I could be home, you know, and, um, So when comedy clubs ask for your monthly avails, you know, when you could be there, you know, and and they book you and schedule you, I don't put in for Sundays anymore. It's just something that I want to be with my family. And it happens to be the Giants weren't playing on, uh, you know, wild cards. Sometimes your team ends up playing on the Saturday. Wasn't the case. So I had Sunday home with my kids. My son is super excited. He loves the Giants now. And we're ready to go. And, I mean, I would be lying if I said, stop scratching the fucking couch. If I swear to God, if it's not the dog, it's my fucking cats. You know what I mean? My dog is outside now because the weather's not bad, and the fucking cats are scratching shit. Um. So anyway, I, I uh, was excited. And I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't scared. I know Aaron Rodgers and the Packers were on fire coming in. But I was really optimistic and thought we could win the game. I thought we could win the game by multiple scores, like I you know, like I said and like I predicted. I really did believe that. And for the reasons that I mentioned before, I, I said that our defense um, was just tight and gonna, you know, was was tight on, on offenses, was gonna keep us in the game. And I felt like if we got some scores or whatever, we can we can really pull it out. And I thought um, the biggest thing that I said, which I thought which I was wrong. And, and how wrong was I? I was, I was super, super wrong. And I got to tell you guys something that happened the night before when I ran into my buddy Giannis Papas, uh, my dear friend Giannis, hilarious comedian. Uh, we smoked a cigar the night before the game. After my four shows, I ran into him and smoked a cigar. Um, and he told me something. I'll tell you what he said. But my prediction was big players step up in big games. Okay? Big players in big games. That's where legends are made. Legends are made on the, on, the, on the grandest of stages. You show up in the big moment. That's what you do. You know, that's what you do. And I thought Odell Beckham, especially since people were talking about him going on a yacht with fucking Justin Bieber and Trey Songs and sitting on a yacht in Miami with his shirt off taking pictures. And, you know, and I, I still to this day don't think that that had anything to do with it. I don't, I don't think that a professional athlete on his day off should get shit for being in Miami. Now, what I do think is it's a distraction by making the press come into your locker room and talk about it. But as far as physical, I don't think that it did anything physically to him. So I'm going, wow, he's going to come in here. He's ready to go. He's never been to the playoffs before. He's chomping at the bit. He's saying all the right things. He wishes the game was tomorrow. So I'm like, this guy's going to show up. This guy's going to have an extra step. He's going to get open, and he's going to do shit. And... um. So the night before I'm sitting with Giannis and I'm explaining to Giannis, you know, we're talking, having a, you always have an amazing conversation over a cigar. Uh, I've said that before and I'll say it again. There's a bonding experience, whether it's with your family members, whether it's with friends, when you're sitting down smoking a cigar with somebody for an hour to two hours, drinking a scotch and just talking, the conversation is just better. It's just an amazing, amazing time. So me and Giannis are having, you know, typical discussion and obviously sports comes in in the end and I'm like, you know, this is what I think about the Giants and this is why. And all props to Giannis Pappas because I swear to God, I'm not kidding, I'm, I'm this is exactly what he said to me, I said, I think Odell's going to show up, I said, our defense is going to be ready, I said, you know, and I said, I think it's going to be Eli that we need to worry about, if we need to worry, but I love Eli, so I don't, and Giannis goes, we don't need to worry about Eli. We don't, and shout out to Eli Manning and all you fucking Eli haters because how did the kid play again? He played fucking amazing. That pass to Will Ty was incredible. Okay? He's passing the ball all over the joint in the first half and he can't he can't, you know, he can't be penalized for these fucking assholes who made I mean critical is not is not even the the, the it's just ridiculous what happened. So Giannis goes, I don't know, man. This is the night before. He goes, I don't know, man. He goes, Odell has big drops. He's had big drops in the season, and I think he's a head case, and he's got big drops. And I'm going, nah, dude. He's a a gamer, man. It's going to be... He's never been on this stage. Watch. This is going to really show, and I could not believe what I witnessed. All right. Now, I don't want to take anything away from the Packers here, okay? Second half, Aaron Rodgers picked us apart and ended up turning it into a blowout. But... Listen to some statistics that are incredible to me um, that that what happened, happened. And, and I, I do think this. I got into an argument with Bill Burr about this. Um, I know that you can't take things away from the team that won. And I'm not trying to just look at this through Giants' eyes here. Okay? I'm really not. But you cannot drop the balls that we dropped. You cannot drop two touchdowns and a first down in the red zone to start the game on an amazing drive, and the crowd is starting to go, oh shit, here we go again. You cannot do that. The Giants had every fucking reason to be up a minimum of 17 to nothing. A minimum. Think about that for a second, okay? The first 27 minutes of that ball game, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers had seven positive yards. 27 minutes. A football game is 60. You're talking about almost half of the fucking playoff game. They had seven yards, and we were pitching a shutout. They had zero points. Okay? Um, everything was going our way. As a matter of fact, I think it was a one-point game for 42 minutes of that game. Now, granted, second half, you can't blame the offense for the defense breaking. I'll give you that. But I do th- do think, and this is where I argued with some people, I think the dynamic of a game changes, when awful shit like that happens. Odell Beckham Jr. drops a ball in the red zone for a first down. It would have it would have got us, or not in the red zone, but it got us right around the 30. It put us in field goal range and is a first down. So now you have a potential to go in a red zone and either score a touchdown or you're well within Robbie Gold's field goal kicking range to get at least three, right? He drops a ball my grandmother could catch. Okay, fine. Then he drops a touchdown that... Some people are like, oh, well, it was over the shoulder. Fuck that. He had both hands on the ball. It wasn't overthrown. And at one point, it was almost near his waist, and he dropped the fucking ball for a touchdown. So now you're talking, those two drops, just those two drops is a minimum of 10 points. Minimum 10 points, okay? Then you have Shepard drop a pass. Now, I know the defender got his hand in there, but if Shepard held both hands, held the ball with both hands and kept it out and dropped, that's a touchdown, okay? So that's another drop. Then, Shepard, on like the five-yard line or six-yard line, has one hit off his thumb and flies up in the air. So we end up getting three. He could have got, he could have got, we could have got into the red zone for another touchdown there. Now, I know what you're thinking. Woulda, coulda, shoulda, yeah. Fine, and that's fair. But all I'm saying is, and what hurt me, because I'm not taking anything away from the Packers. Packers did their job. Packers are like, hey, Giants receivers aren't going to catch the ball. Fuck it, ours will. And the Hail Mary was absolutely crippling. I mean, the Hail Mary... I mean, how does the safeties and everybody not get back and knock that down? I mean that 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 looked like they. I mean that looked like a route. That that's how fucking easy that was uh, to to Randall Cobb to catch that in the back of the end zone. So, um, but I I had a really I've never seen a drop in a first quarter be that devastating. When Odell Beckham dropped the first down by the thirty yard line and made us punt. When he dropped that first drop early in the first quarter for a first down, that gave them their crowd. And I do think dynamics of the game changes because if you go up 17 to nothing there, they're going to think, here we go again. Eli is on fire again. The crowd starts worrying. Everybody's getting quiet. Aaron Rodgers has to maybe force some throws. Okay, our defense is going to be lifted up. And that shouldn't be. Your defense shouldn't need that. I'm just saying, had those drops not happened, I think we are talking about a completely diff- different game. I really believe that it's just a different game. And again, you know, maybe the Packers beat us anyway. I'm not taking anything away from the Packers at all. You know, Aaron Rodgers caught fire, but I just would have liked to seen us at our best and them at their best. No drops and see. Because, you know, like I said, he fires something in to maybe, you know, we're down 17. I'm going to try to, you know, get this in the window and somebody gets a pick or somebody, something happens and it could be down to a field goal and everybody gets to see the best and you didn't get to see the best of the Giants and that's what kills me. So, there you have it, you know. We had a rookie wide receiver do the best. We had a, a tight end who doesn't really play that much or, like, get involved as much as he did in this big game. And Eli did his job, of course. Congratulations to the Packers. That was a tough one to swallow, everybody. All right, I'm done. There you go. Um, I'm done, okay? I mean, it's just, ah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, when you're watching a game and I was going, I was saying to my, uh, my wife and son and people were texting me, Giants look good. You know, all the time of possession and everything. And I'm like, man, we're, Eli looks sharp, man. This is going to be a game. All we could ask for at the end is like five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Have it be anybody's game. And that obviously didn't happen. So what are you going to do? Till next year. Uh, hopefully those guys learn from it. They keep their mouth shut. They stop fucking dancing around. And they don't make distractions when they, you know, they acted like, every, you know, like that's another thing Giannis said. Everything is a Super Bowl to these guys. We beat, the, we beat the shitty Redskins. I know, oh, uh, the Redskins weren't bad. Yeah, they were. Because if the Redskins were good, they'd be, in the, they'd be in the playoffs. All right, so we beat the Redskins the last game of the season, and we go to fucking Miami like we did something. Uh, Meryl Streep, everybody. Let's talk about Meryl Streep. Let's talk about the Golden Globes. And uh, once again, a Hollywood celebrity movie star has to use their platform Okay, has to use their platform. And no, this isn't my unacceptable. But it just drives me fucking nuts. Absolutely nuts. To have somebody win an award for their art and mastery in their art and in their craft. And rightfully so. Meryl Streep has been a brilliant actress for many, many decades. She's a a brilliant actress. And she goes up there... And this is the one thing that, that she did that if I ever sat with her and and I think she's got no credibility now because of, of what she said and what she did, um, is that she went to negative. She did something where it's like after the fact, something happened that you don't like, you continue to talk about it. And to me, that's childish. And that doesn't really make any sense. Now, I don't fucking... Maybe Meryl Streep is a nice person. I've never met her, okay? You know, Meryl Streep doesn't come to the comedy club. She's not coming to the comedy club circuit, I don't think. But I never met her. And I don't really know people that know her, you know? She's a fucking 80-year-old, you know, millionaire, uh, celebra- uh, celebrity Hollywood star. And she went to negative, guys. And that's what bothers me. It wasn't... She went to the past. You know... Now, if you're not happy with Donald Trump, and many people in Hollywood aren't, many people in the country aren't, and there are many people that that are, you know, but for you to, for you to go and just start saying like, for a man to make fun of a man disabled, and there's so many great points. Somebody goes, what are you talking about? He can't fight back. He's a fucking reporter. Of course he can fight back. You know, nobody's going to physically fight anyway. So he can fight back because he's a reporter. And here's the other thing. Other people were showing Donald Trump always making that fucking gesture about people. Now, I'm not saying it's not immature. I'm not saying that it's not childish. But, like, how about Meryl Streep go up there and talk about, if you want to use that platform for good, how about saying something like this? You know, myself and everybody else here doesn't like Donald Trump, right? And they all clap. And then she says, but you know what? He is the president-elect, and we could just hope that he does right by people that are this, and even if she said, people that are disabled, Mexicans, let's just hope, kind of like the way Dave Chappelle did, now listen, a lot of people would have been annoyed with that anyway, and I understand that side of it too, but at least she would have went towards the future and positive, that's like the mature, smarter thing to do, I feel like, you know, like go to like, hey man, this is who our president is, and let's like, let's hope for the best, and let's, you know, Let's hope he does the right thing and d- does the right thing by this. And, you know, yeah, he said some things that are, but let's, you know, let's hope for America and let's hold him to that and stuff like that. That's one thing. But to just go to make fun of a man and it really, I, I still, my heart breaks and why are we, that's just negative because that's who the president is. You know, it's like, I remember um, my family. I mean, I don't want to get too personal, but my family was going through some horrible things back in the day. And me and my older brother were in the middle of it. And people would just harp on it and let us know that this is, you know, this happened and that happened. And me and my brother are like kids and the shit already happened. So it's like bringing up that just doesn't make sense. Why doesn't she talk about some shit like, um, you know, I don't know. Let's hope that, you know police brutality and, 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 and you know, African-American men and the police that could, could, be, could be better and come to an understanding and, and bring something to the forefront that people can like get behind for the future instead of just going back and going, our president did this back in the day. How could we, how could we do that? That's not helping anybody. It's almost like selfish what she did. That, that's how I feel. It's like a selfish crybaby, like we lost move. And again, she might be a lovely woman. If I met her, you know what I'd say to her? You're a great actress. You're fucking fantastic. You know? But I'm just saying, it just seems to me to go up there and say that. It wasn't, it didn't make any, it was just kind of like, I don't know. It was just weird. It, you're, we already have the president. He's, people, like it or not, Donald Trump is the president for the next four years. That's it. That's it. He won. And I've never seen anything like, like people going after this guy. I'm not saying he didn't say stupid shit, I'm not sitting here trying to say, I think the guy should definitely calm down, you know, I gotta be honest with you, I'm I'm not a big Obama guy, you know, I never was, and I'm watching his farewell address, and I gotta tell you, whether it's bullshit, and listen, a lot of that stuff is bullshit, they talk like politicians, that's what they have to do, but this guy did a good job of it, you know, talking about his wife the way he did, talking about his vice president the way he did, talking about what he wants for America, talking about, you know, he even was classy enough to say that, you know, when they started booing Trump, he's like, no, no, you know, we're in this together. You know, and he turned, you know, he turned that into... It's like, I wish Trump talked more like that, but the guy doesn't. That's not what he does. And fine, you could wish that, but like, that's what it is. And these people, man, it's almost like I've never... People... If you listen to media and certain people you would actually think Donald Trump murdered people. The way they talk about this guy, you would think this guy fucking murdered people. Yes, he said stupid things. Fine. Yes, you're afraid because he said, I'll bomb the shit out of him. And it makes you scared. And that's fine. If you have children, you don't want fucking World War Three to break out. I understand that. But to act like this guy is a fucking neo-Nazi who's ready to fucking gas people, it's it's really fucking nuts. It is nuts. And I just wish at these award shows you know, people like Meryl Streep would say, hey, look, I'm not happy, but let's hope for the best. I think the way Dave Chappelle did it was great. Uh, I think it was abs- abs- absolutely perfect, saying, you know, we're behind you, we hope you do a good job, you know, and you we hope you look out for us as well, and this and that, you know, so I, I that's the way that I'm looking at it. Um, I don't fucking hate Meryl Streep because of it. I don't, you know, listen, those people have made more money and been on a whole other planet Than Most people for a long time and they don't even really know better because they're not around common people. You know, they're not around the middle class. Uh, They're definitely not around poor people as much as they say how much they love them. These Hollywood people, you know, Mark Wahlberg had a great quote about that. He's like a lot of people out here in Hollywood are in a fucking bubble, man. They don't understand like they really don't understand the common working people. And so, I think a lot of it comes from that. And I don't blame an 80-year-old woman who just doesn't like who the president is, you know. But I do blame it when it's on that platform. I think it's a little fucking silly. Uh, that's just my personal, uh, personal opinion. Now, speaking of uh, women, I had a funny incident happen. And, of course, somebody went at me. I go to an Italian restaurant, all right. This is not my unacceptable either. I got a lot of things on this one that could be my unacceptable. And um, I, i what's it called? I, I'm not there yet. My unacceptable is a separate thing. But my unacceptable is simple. Uh, it, 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 it involved road rage and me wanting to get out and kill somebody. But this was something funny that happened. I go to an Italian restaurant the other night. And I'm waiting for food. I'm picking up some food. And I notice that these two girls, I would say definitely in their 20s, maybe early 20s they're talking. And I'm just sitting there, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of in a rush because it's like after 7, the kids got to go to bed. Um, dinner was taking long, I had to go to the grocery store and do this shit. So I just want to get home by like 7.30 with dinner. So I'm kind of waiting, waiting, looking at my phone. And I overhear, and I'm, I'm almost 100% positive... And if I'm not, I'm sorry, then this whole thing is wrong, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I heard her talking about her spotting, her period spotting, like, I guess that, I guess that means that blood's coming through when you have your period, I don't know, it's gross to me, but whatever, That that's what happens, right? And I almost think she was saying, like, I sp- was spotting so hard, or I was spotting this and that, this and that, and I'm just like, I'm in a fucking restaurant, like, You know, I don't want to... And fine, I'm not trying to eavesdrop, but you're not talking low enough. Because I'm clearly not sitting there talking to you two women. I'm over to the side, looking at my phone. And there's no reason why I should hear you talking about spotting. Right? So, fine. I let it pass, and I make a joke about it. I said something on Facebook. I forgot where else. I said something along the lines of like, you know... It's kind of gross to hear women talk about spotting and blood... Especially in an Italian restaurant. You know? Um... So some woman, of course, of course, some woman gets mad at me and was like, why would you say something like that? Why would you, that's ridiculous or something and said that it was like idiotic and stupid what I said. And I was just like, how? I'm waiting for food in a restaurant. And this is why, this is fucking why I can't stand like these ultra, ultra fucking feminists. Because there is such, and I've said it before and I'll say it again. There's a fine line between a feminist, a strong woman who is for women's rights and equal pay and all that. I'm totally cool with that. I'm talking about these fucking bitches that are like, don't hold a door for me. I don't need a man to hold. You know what I mean? Just everyday common shit. They're so over the line with it that it's ridiculous. So some, and I'm not saying the woman that went at me, but it sounded like it. Let's say the tables were turned and I'm talking to a friend about something coming out of my dick. All right? Let's do it that way. So some woman is sitting there on her phone, you know, and I'm going like, yeah, man, you know, and I don't know, man, I just had this insane boner, man. I just had like a rager. I don't know why my dick was just so hard for so long. And like, I guess like premature sperm was coming out. I was just, you know, and it started spotting, you know, I was spotting real hard out of my dick, you know? And then, yeah, I got the chicken piccata. It's like, nobody wants to hear that shit. So if a woman said, ew, heard this guy talking about shit coming out of his dick, gross, or something, and I made a joke about it, I wasn't even like graphic, I was just like, woman talked about spotting, gross, you know, how about, you know, you talk a little lighter, how about you get some better tampons, something like that, totally making a joke, by the way, I'm a comedian, and the person I think knew that, so that's annoying, it's like the tables can never be turned, and when you do it, it's like, no, no, it's different, oh, now it's fucking different, give me a break, don't talk about it, be a little lower, be a little lower about your spotting, You know, not to mention, you know, Italian restaurants, there's a lot of red sauce. It's a lot of, you know, I don't need to hear it. I don't need to hear it, you know. It's 2017, they don't have a tampon where I don't have to hear that conversation. But I'm the one who needs to grow up and it's a silly thing to say when I'm trying to get food from my children and my family and a woman's talking about spotting and I overhear it. I can't say anything because I'm immature and that's ridiculous. It's fucking ridiculous. Fuck you. That's all. That's it. And you shouldn't be talking that loud about it for somebody who's not in the conversation to hear you, especially about that. And if you are talking about that in a restaurant, wouldn't you make it so fucking light or whisper it? Or how about you wait till you get to your table and you get seated and nobody's around and then you talk about it? It got me angry. Now that I think about it, it should have been my unacceptable, but it's not. All right. Here's my unacceptable. My... (laughs) My unacceptable is I was driving in a car. Well, what else would you be driving in? I was driving in a boat, okay, on Route 84. No, I'm driving and my children are in the car. I was coming back from bringing my daughter home from from daycare. And I start going around the, the windy road to get to my house. And I'm getting close to my house and some sort of caravan from weird plates. I don't even think they were New York or Connecticut plates because I live near the Connecticut border. But... He's got his brights on me for so long that I literally, and I had my kids in the car, so I was trying to be as careful as possible, but I had to let this person know, you can't tailgate me with your brights on because I'm going to get into an accident. So I slowed down to the point of like really slowing down. And then they, and I'm and then I'm trying to turn up my block and they kept them on and then finally went around me on a double yellow and sped. And when I tell you, It was one of the most, first of all, it's unacceptable that you got your brights on me and, and I'm trying to make a turn, trying to make a fucking turn. So back up, you see my brakes going. You could probably even, since they were that close to me, probably even see a car seat in the back. Okay. But if not, you know, I'm in a family SUV or whatever it was, and I'm trying to make the turn and, oh no, I'm sorry. I was in my sedan. I was in my car and they kept the brights on to where I really couldn't see. And, and then they went around me and it was so dangerous, so reckless, so unacceptable that I, the rage that I got, I'm not even kidding. I contemplated, I'm like, all right, my kids are in the car. I'll tell you this. If my kids weren't in the car, if I would, I would follow, I would have followed them. I would have followed them and I would have followed them and actually probably been ready to, to, I would have, listen, I would have definitely been ready for a verbal altercation, but if they would have came at me, I would have, like, came at me physically, I was down, that's how angry I was, probably not the smartest thing to do, um, you know, <laughs> but it was, and and um, nothing I say to you guys on this podcast right now will do the justice of the story of how unacceptable how these people were behaving in a car with me, my two little ones in the back seat, brights on where I could not see through my rear view mirror and they're tailgating me and I'm trying to slow down and I don't want to get hit and then they go around me. It was enraging. And I don't wish harm or death on anybody, but when they made that double yellow turn, if a car came and smashed them, I got to tell you, I wouldn't. I don't know how much sympathy I'd have uh, because that's how ridiculous it was. So that's my unacceptable... Um. Not the softest, lightest way to get get the Unacceptables going. But uh, I will get to your guys' Unacceptables right now. What else do we have? Um, I was spotting, like, so hard. Are you hungry? All right, let's do... Here we go. Let's... Where are we here? All right. We are 33 minutes in. All right, let's go. First one is from... Michael Jacobson, airplane hygiene unacceptable, Paul, two unacceptables for you, number one on a packed plane, and this absolute animal behind my girlfriend and I coughing the entire four hour flight, Uh, by the way, one of my pet peeves, Um, without covering his mouth, what happened to common decency? Not covering your mouth with the inside of your arm or sleeve when you call for sneeze is absolutely unfucking acceptable. Lock these animals animals in a cage and let them <laughs> get each other sick for all eternity. Number two, lock me in a cage for not saying anything to this asshole behind me for the entire four-hour flight. Just as unacceptable. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work, Mike. Thank you so much, Mike. Um, I don't know if you're a first time. I don't, I don't recall, but um, love the unacceptable. Thank you for the submission. Couldn't agree more. I have a pet peeve with people coughing, not even if it's on a plane or covering. I just um, growing up, for some reason, uh, I'm like I'm nine years older than my brother, my youngest. I have an older and I have two younger. I'm nine years older than my brother and 10 years older than my sister, and then five years younger than my older brother. And for some reason, when I was like, I guess, in a teen in the teens, my younger brother and sister were younger and they got colds a lot and they got sick a lot. So I remember them coughing a lot. So I'd be like talking or doing something. They would just constantly be coughing, coughing, coughing. Now to this day, when somebody continues to cough, I get, I'm not gonna say like enraged, but I wanna be like, yo, take some fucking cough medicine. Or, or walk away. Like, I, I feel bad saying this. I'm not trying to be a dickhead either. I'm really not. But like my wife the other day, she just kept coughing, coughing. Her and my son are coughing, coughing. And eventually it became like dripping water to me where you just needed to stop or you got to walk away. So I couldn't imagine having that on a four-hour flight across the country somewhere. I could not imagine that. So that is a great unacceptable. I totally understand. And thank you for the submission, uh, Michael. Okay, next we have... Uh, Kyle, San- Santo Liquido, I think I got it right, Kyle, I think i I remember you from a while back, I haven't heard from Kyle in a while, but I think it's Santo Liquido, okay, which I, I'm assuming is very Italian, um, I had a question, this is from Kyle on the podcast, I had a question, um, you can read on the podcast if you think it would be interesting for the show, if not writing back, um, is appreciated. I am thinking of starting a podcast, and I'm curious how uh, how do you just talk in a room by yourself and sound enthusiastic? Um, you sh- uh, you sound as if you are talking to us like we are in the room uh, with you. Meanwhile, you have family in the house uh, that could uh, come near the room. Uh, I have this problem too. I can't help but to feel weird about it. I sometimes do them with somebody else but when I'm alone, they sound bad. Uh, even when nobody else is home for some reason, I feel some kind of pressure when talking to no one. Do you think your stand-up experience helped it, or did you feel this way at first doing the show too? Thanks. Any advice would help. Uh, that's a great question. I think a lot of people are interested in that stuff. People always ask me about the show and um, how I could do it. One thing you have to realize, uh, Kyle, about it is... Um, the combination that I am um, immensely talented and good at what I do. I'm, <laughs> I'm fucking around. I'm kidding. Um, no, I've been, you know, it took a while to build up the show the way that I have it now. As far as really being interrupted by people in the house, um, that really doesn't happen. You know, very occasionally, like if my wife or kids know, because, you know, my podcast is my business, it's part of my business, part of my job. Even though, you know, I give the podcast to the fans and my job is, being a stand-up comedian and, 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 you know, doing everything that a comedian would do other than this. This is an added-on thing. Um, you also asked the question if, if doing stand-up made it easier. I would say the podcast makes you better even at stand-up because, uh, you know, you are talking into a microphone like a radio show, but I've just been doing this a long time. So my suggestion to you would be if you start a podcast and you want to do it, first of all, you shouldn't have any distractions. Like even if my wife walks in the room and I'm doing it, and that happens occasionally. My, my wife and kids know, hey, you know, dad's doing a, a podcast right now and, and they'll go away. Or, you know, I'm in a private space a lot of times. Um, I have a little office space or, you know, I'll do it when nobody's home. I have set times to do it. Uh, now I pretty much do it when, when my kids are at school or late at night when everybody's sleeping. So, my suggestion is, until you get 100% comfortable with it, nobody should be around you, so you could get your feeling um, with, with your show, however it goes, whether you have segments or whatever. Um, the second thing I would tell you is, it's going to take time. You know, um, if I have to be 100% honest, the, this is my 289th episode of The Versi Effect. Um, six years doing it, almost about, about a very, very close to a million downloads. Um Lord knows how many hits, because I've learned that. You're going to find when you do a podcast, hits and downloads are different. I have thousands of people that hit it and listen to it that don't download it. So I don't know the exact numbers, but I also have thousands of people that download it. So you're not going to know the exact numbers as much as somebody tells you. Um, But I did find out through all things comedy that the Verzi Effect is up there with um, their highest uh, rated downloads. But it took me about 45 episodes for this show to get good. And if I have to be 100% honest with myself, I feel like I really had a you know, a show. I felt like I had a show show around 50-something episodes. It takes time. You know, When I first did it, I would get to like a half hour and be like, fuck, I don't have anything else to say. I don't know how to do it the right way. Or I don't know how to get to an hour yet, but that was years ago. Um, now it just comes, now it's what I do. So um, my suggestion is practice, 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 man. The more you do it, the more comfortable you're going to get with yourself talking. And another thing I would say is... Believe in what you're saying. Don't say things because you want the audience to like it. Okay? And that that's something I do on stage. I'll say something on stage that maybe a lot of audience members don't like it. But I believe it. You know, I feel it in my heart. I believe it. And the people that love it and feel it too and believe it, they're going to be my fans. The people that hate it were never going to be my fans to begin with. So never worry about the crowd. It's not about the crowd. It's about you and your thoughts and your honesty and the people that love it and want to go on the ride with you. You let them do that the people that don't don't worry about don't worry about you know appeasing them it does it's not about them so uh, i hope that answers your question just do it alone get the rhythm practice it a couple of times and keep getting the 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 podcasts under your belt and then and then it will get um and then it will get better uh and i and that goes for anybody listening if you want to do that that's probably the best advice i could give about podcasting thank you for um for writing in All right, here we go. Unacceptable from Garrett Johnson. Hey, Paul, first off, I want to thank you for the great shows. I always get excited when I see a news post on your feed. Uh, Anyways, on to my unacceptable. I'm currently sitting in a Starbucks waiting for my customer. Uh, I do mobile iPhone repairs for a living. Okay, so you're sitting in a Starbucks waiting. Okay, Uh, and it's 30 minutes past our set time. These fucking animals don't realize that I set appointments on each hour of the day, and when they are late, it drives uh, drives all my appointments behind. I would give anything to scream in these people's face, um, but with the extents of, uh, with I'm sorry, but with the existence of Yelp and other businesses rating platforms, I'm stuck forcing a smile and telling them, "Yeah, no problem." Lock these self-centered fucks in a cage. <laughs> Tell them you'll uh, let them out in an hour and show up a few days late. Now it's 35 <laughs> minutes past. Fuck me. Oh, thank you, Garrett. I appreciate that. I'm sorry. Sorry that you're going through that. That sucks. Um, you know, especially when it's going to affect everything else. Uh, here's another one from Garrett Johnson adding to my first unacceptable. Hey, Paul, I just wrote you about the iPhone repair appointment. Well, the guy finally showed, showed up and fucking (laughs) left to go to the bank. Now I'm done (laughs) and waiting for him again. Jesus, sorry for the additional email, but thought it added to the unacceptable. It does. It does. You are dealing with an absolutely selfish narcissist who could give a fuck about your job and your day. Uh, thank you again. Here we go, parking lot unacceptable, let me get this last name right guys, that's probably one of the hardest parts, you want to talk about advice for podcasts, some of the hardest part is when you get your um, audience involved in the show and you have them submit things, whether it's tweets or unacceptables or anything like that, emails, getting the last name, because I know what it's like when people fuck up my name, because my name is pronounced Verzi like Jersey with an E, but my name is spelt V-I-R-Z-I, so some people think it's Virzy, and they fuck it up, but it's actually Verzi. so I'm going to try this, uh, O-tro- Otroski, Max Ostrowski or Otroski, so I hope I got that right, Max, uh, Paul, this week's unacceptable uh, goes to me, I almost lost my fucking mind today in the gym parking lot waiting for a spot. I was the first to notice somebody backing out. I gave them enough space and patiently waited with my blinker on. Two people tried to poach this spot. Paul, I swear I was like an <laughs> NBA power forward boxing out the boxing people out to get into this spot. In the short moment, I had no regard for human li- life or my car. I went nuts. Keep me and my Dennis Rodman ass behavior in a cage, Max. Well, you did the right thing. I've seen fights like that. Matter of fact, I did this show in Salem, Massachusetts when I did the um, the Way of Life tour with that um, pub in, in, um, and that, that restaurant pub where they took a singer from The Voice and a comedian, which was myself, and I saw one woman, one guy go in a spot, and this woman was waiting, and she's like, you're an asshole, and it was really fucking nuts, and I've seen people, actually, I gotta be honest, this holiday season with all the mall shit and everybody looking for a spot in the mall, I felt like people were respectful. Look, if you're waiting at a spot and your blinker is on, it's your spot. You just gotta move on and get over it. Um, So good for you, and thank you for the submission. All right, we're almost done here. Relax, everybody. We're almost done here. Um, let's see, this one is, oh, here we go, Mike Vick response, uh, this is from Bob Lane, Mike Vick response, hey Paul, I sort of get the animal lovers hating Mike Vick so hard, but agree with you, he served his time, I have a dog and love that little fucker, but I'm not, uh, but I'm just not as horrified um, as some claim to be, if you hate him so much, don't buy his jersey and turn off the TV when he's there. What really gets me is today's anger viral mob who demand people lose everything uh, when they fuck up. I agree with that a lot, Bob. Um, it was terrible that Ray Rice hit hit the girl. Yes, hit his girl like that. But it's shitty that he lost his career. Not because he hit his girl, but because the video came out. Anytime somebody fucks up, whether a DUI or they say some dumb shit on social media, there's an unacceptable rushed by people who have nothing to do with uh, the incident uh, to ensure nothing positive ever happens to the guy again. I fucking love this. Uh, then, they go on their, uh, then they go on with their merry life while the person can't find the job again. It's ridiculous. Uh, that'd be like if you made a mistake somehow, didn't file your taxes right or some shit. An online lynch mob goes after you. Next thing you know, the stand is like, sorry, Paul, we love you, but my Twitter feed, uh, but my Twitter feed is out of control. We can't have you here anymore. Uh, we need, uh, uh, we need to forgive people. I agree with that. They're the same bunch of jealous fucks who complain about a CEO pay. He shouldn't make that much. Uh, it's ridiculous. Uh, here's to trying not to have that last drink. That doesn't matter. <laughs> love it. Uh, great resolution. Take care, Bob. Bob Lane, ladies and gentlemen. Bob fucking Lane. I love it, Bob. Probably my favorite of the year so far. I know it's early in the year, but you said a lot here. You said a lot here. All um, which I agree with. Okay, I really do. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna take it a step further, okay? I was actually talking about this with uh, Keith Robinson, funny funny comedian. Keith Robinson, he did a special on Comedy Central called uh, Kevin Hart Presents Keith Robinson. What happened to Ray Rice is ridiculous. Um, I actually met Ray Rice at a at an NFL draft party, and uh, he actually talked to me because I said, "Oh man, I'm from Westchester too." Ray Rice is for for people that don't know, Baltimore Raven running back. Uh, there was a video that went viral. Um, him and his girlfriend got into an altercation in an elevator in um, Atlantic City. And she... I don't know if she spit at him or came at him or did something. But anyway, he violently hit her in the face. She banged her head against the wall and was like knocked out. And then he like dragged her out um, by her ankles. I mean, it was fucking brutal, vicious. Nobody should ever hit a woman. Absolutely despicable. But... Um, From everything that has been written, from her family, from her, from everybody that knows them, there has never been an incident before or after, but especially importantly before. So by all accounts, this man made one mistake that night. I think they were drinking. They got into it. I don't, again, when you watch it, you can't, I don't know if she spit at him or went at him. Either way, it doesn't make it right. Whatever she did. Um, I've said this. The only time I'm hitting a woman is if she's coming at me with a knife to kill me like, literally coming at me and stabbing at my chest to kill me, then, then, I mean, then all bets are off, because if somebody's coming at me to cut my fucking head, slice my throat, or murder me, then I think whatever sex is in front of you, you have to defend yourself by running, kicking, punching, whatever, um, you never hit a woman, you never hit a woman, and you never do that, and it's a despicable act, and everybody knows that, so you don't really have to fucking say that, okay, um, this man lost his career and lost everything from one mistake He, but he, but here's the real fucked up part about it. That Ray Rice showed the NFL what he did and they sat down with him. He apologized. His wife was on his, his wife was like, yes, this happened. I'm sorry. We're still getting married in three months. This woman married him three months later after this, by the way. And to this day, she's doing interviews saying they're happy. He's going around, but he lost everything. He lost his job. He was still in his prime. He was still young. um, and nobody gave him a chance after that. And the fucking NFL commissioner, who in my opinion, had to have known or see something. He says he didn't, but I don't know because it's like, Okay, you got a two-game day 2 game suspension. Then the video came out for the world to see, and then he's indefinitely out, and the mob came after him. I agree with you. I think that you need to be punished for things. I think, um, you know, these things that are despicable cannot go unpunished, unresolved. So, you know, you do have to pay the fucking piper for things, but um, people that have nothing to do with it and don't know the whole story just wanted to, like you said, this this mob. of, You know, it really is... People just like to see people down. Or people like to see your mistakes. Some. Some are amazing people that like to see you do good. You know, and I'm not talking about jealousy and envy. This is beyond that. This is like people loving to see negative stuff. I love this unacceptable. I love this, Bob. I, I really do. And, and, um, don't have that last drink. You don't need it. That last one, when you say one more, walk away. It feels so good. Uh, thank you. Here we go. A few more, a few more. Uh... Student unacceptable. This one is from Philip McCarthy. Paul, first time writer. I'm a New Yorker living in the Bible Belt. We briefly met, met after your. Uh, what was this? The. Uh, okay. Uh, you met me. Okay. Wait, what fucking. Where was that? Well, I'm trying to think of the state. Whatever. We met. Sure, uh, I State. I am a teacher and I have an unacceptable, I wanted your opinion as a father. I have been, oh, Shreveport, okay. Uh, I have been teaching for several years now and absolutely love what I do. One of the things uh, I have noticed over the past couple of years is the number of kids who call their parents by their first names. Uh, yes, that that is a weird, I, I know what you're saying, but here we go. They will say something like, Misty grounded me this weekend or I can't believe Bob can't pick me up then to make it even worse They will try to call me and another teacher by our first name Paul Could you imagine when we were growing up trying to call your teacher by his slash her first name? But they do not think anything is wrong with it. This baffles me I am in my mid-20s and even still when I go home. I always address my friends parents as uh, Mrs. or Mr. So and So, don't lock the kids up. Lock their parents in a cage for not doing their job. Yeah, I agree. The other day, my uh, sometimes my kids will joke with me, and I really do think it's funny when my four-year-old daughter goes, "Hey, Paul, that's a joke." You know, um, if I found out from my son's teacher that he was calling her by her first name and thinking it's okay, I'd have a big sit-down with him, because that's a big, big, um, disrespectful, classless thing, and he's getting it from his mother and father. You speak to your elders with Mr. and Mrs. You speak to your parents as mom and dad and all that stuff. I totally agree. I think that that's weird, and uh, I like it. Boy, this is some original... This is some original... uh, Unacceptables. You guys are taking the unacceptables to another level, a little more uh deeper. You know, we're not talking so much about, you know, puking in bathrooms that much anymore, which I still love and find funny. So keep those coming too. Um, question. Uh I don't know. Uh let's see here. Oh, this is about a cigar bar. You know what, Justin, this is from Justin Bird asking about a cigar bar. In Baltimore, um, do you mind telling me the name of the place? I've been wanting to find one here. Thanks a lot, Versie Thanks for the podcast. Justin, you know what? I don't know the name of it, but I do know that there was not many. So I think if you Google, I th- as a matter of fact, I think Baltimore might only have one, one or two. So it's definitely one of those. And the one I went to doesn't even doesn't even seem like it'd be open later. So Google it and you're going to get one of the two for sure. Sorry about that. I wish I'd known. Um, here we go. This one is from Ryan Appel. Uh, yet another gym unacceptable. Let me see where we are on time here. See how many more we have. All right, we're good on time. Let's see how many more we have. Okay. Okay, only a few. Okay, here we go. Uh, Ryan Appel. This, this, here's my, hi, Paul. Here's my second. Wait a minute, let me get this. Okay. There's a small font here. Uh, hey, Paul. Here's my, oh, I could just, I learned it. That's that was my new thing that I learned. I learned that I could actually on my computer make the font bigger without you guys having to do it. So you don't have to change your font. I can just fucking be a little more tech savvy and understand how to use something. Of course, my phone is going off. Uh one second. Okay, I'm back. All right. All right. So we got the font better. Here we go. Okay. From Ryan Appel. Yet another gym Unacceptable! Hey Paul, here's my second gym unacceptable. The the other day I was at the gym working out on a machine. I had my eyes on another machine near me that I wanted to use next. Nobody was on it for about 15 minutes. When I was done on the first machine I was on, I walked over to the other one and I, uh, I wanted to use. As a normal gym courtesy, I asked the guy near it uh, if anyone was using it. The three guys near it said no and that it was open. So I started using it. A couple of minutes later, a guy came over and asked me and the guys around me, what the fuck happened to my weights on the machine? I had taken the weights off because the last person to use it, supposedly this guy, had left uh, four 45 pound uh, plates on each side of the machine, a chest press. Me and the other guys around me were looking at him like he was crazy, because nobody was on this machine for the last 15 minutes, I told him that nobody was on this machine for at least 15 minutes, so I took them off, but, uh, that he could work, that he could work in with me, Uh, okay, so you're being nice, and that it was no big deal, then he starts getting in my face, and kept saying, what the fuck, come on, man, A little bit of an overreaction for such a trivial thing, right? So after bitching to me like a five-year-old who has to share his new toys, then he agrees to share it with me but starts telling me when to do my set and how many reps I should do. Oh, boy. Uh, Yeah, this guy's a fucking narcissist, too. Now Now I start to get really annoyed. I tell him, how about you stop worrying about what I'm doing? You just do your thing and I'll do mine. After about five minutes going back and forth, I decide to ignore what he is saying while sharing the machine with him until I was done working out uh, at my own pace. I didn't want to escalate anything and possibly get into a fight and lose my gym membership slash get a lawsuit. That's smart. Uh, Also, I knew the other guys around me would have my back uh, in a story case. Okay. In a story. Wait a minute. In a story in case... Oh, I think that was fucked up. He actually got physical. Okay. Um, What is it with the super aggressive psychos at the gym? Be polite, mind your business, and share the equipment. Nobody owns it, and we all pay to use it. Lock them up in the gym with the the Navy SEALs and the dude who makes his five-year-old son work out and make them share the equipment and never leave. Uh, What is it about being in the gym that makes guys act... Uh, like more of a dickhead than usual, probably compensating for something. P.S. Can't wait for your special. Uh, if it's close to me, Long Island, New York City area, I'll go. Otherwise, definitely going to watch it. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you so much, Ryan. That's hilarious, and um, I'll be honest with you. That's why when I do go to a gym, I don't do weights. Number one, I really can't with my back issues now, um, especially with my with what's going on in my back. But I'm a cardio guy. I just try to lean out and lose weight um, or, you know, very light shit. Like, I'll be using the dumbbells at fucking, no- like, I can't be around meatheads like grunting and screaming in a gym. I just never understood that. Like, that is like getting aggression out that they need to get out. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I would, I don't need, like, I don't need that, like, ah, 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 <laughs> or like a guy beat wrestling, and then I love when they do it, and then they drop it, and they're like, come on,
1: come on, yeah,
0: and then it's like, dude, and then that, the, then you look like a psycho, and five minutes later, you're sitting, I don't get that, um, so I don't know what it is, but uh, it will never be me, thank you for the submission, uh, here we go. Uh, these are good today. Let's see where we are on time. All right. Well, I didn't see a movie and I kind of already talked about sports. All right. So I'll talk about some plugs. Uh, what is the next one? Thank you, uh, Ryan, again, uh, for the submission. And, um... Yes, my special will be near New York, and I have an amazing announcement that's going to be coming soon. Matter of fact, we found out something last night about the special. I am super, super excited to have the people that are going to be involved with it and um, and what I'm going to do with it. But more importantly, I'm just happy with um, with the material that I'm, I'm doing. I'm just having fun, and I'm um, just having a great time. So um, you guys will, yeah, I'm going to be shooting it in the spring, and hopefully it will be released. Uh, you know, it's definitely going to be released in um <clears throat> 2017 uh so that's that's what we're hoping and that's what's what the target is and got some uh, good things coming with that so uh, i will keep you guys posted this one is from sam annoying co-worker hi paul i've been working at a deli for about eight months and have gotten really good at the job okay recently the manager hired her brother uh who really annoys me he, con- he, he constantly tries to micromanage everything I do, even though I'm way better at the job. He talks to me like a child, uh, even uh, even to the point of talking to other people about me right in front of me. Every time we have three or more deliveries at once, he decides to take all of them instead of splitting them between us like we're supposed to. His reasons to me is so that you can learn more while I'm gone, which annoys me because I'm a better worker than him. And uh, any other coworker will say the same. Nobody uh, can really do anything about it because he's the manager's brother. This is a constant annoyance in my world. Oh, and one other thing: he is he is of Vietnamese descent and speaks broken English. Race, <laughs> race has never come up, but I just thought you should know. <laughs> unacceptable. Sincerely, Sam, that is so fucking funny. And I don't even know what's funny about it. I just find that the way you ended it with, Oh, and the last thing he's Vietnamese and speaks broken English. I don't know what that means. I just wanted you to know is so funny. And I totally get it. Um, that is annoying because you're dealing with somebody who you're dealing with somebody who, um, you know, is, related to somebody, and I think maybe, you know, there probably sounds like, sounds like to me, and I don't want to overthink it, you know, fucking psychology about the whole thing, but it sounds like to me, um, you know, they know how good you are, and maybe they're a little insecure, and maybe since he is closer to it, and you're better, he's trying to put himself on a, on another, you know, pedestal or whatever to whatever, you know, listen, here's the thing. If I was you, I would either go to your manager or boss and say, it's really bothering me. I know the job. And if I'm going to be micromanaged like this, I could go to another deli. Um, You know, I don't, I don't know what they're paying you. And I don't want to sound disrespectful um, by saying, oh, you could just probably get another job anywhere because maybe they're paying you more than you would get somewhere else. But if you're really, um, if you're really unhappy and it's something that's wearing on you all the time. I would imagine you can probably get that job elsewhere, so what I would do is, if you act as though um, you're fine with it, and you're fine with leaving, understand this, and this is one thing that I've learned, and it's an amazing, amazing thing, and an amazing power, when you start saying no to things, and you start understanding your worth, more things come at you, you know, um, I noticed like and yes, it's because I'm moving up in the business and, and people know me, and, and knock on wood, I've had some success. But, you know, last year I turned down a lot of things. I, I said no a lot last year. I said no to gigs that normally I would never say no to. I probably say, I said no to thousands of dollars last year. If I'm going to be honest with you guys, I, if, if you add up all the things I said no to, but here's the thing the things that they wanted me to do, even though some cases the money was great, it, it was not for me. It was either not right. It was either putting me in a bad situation or it wasn't enough money. And I needed to say no to all of those things. And you know what happened when I started saying no to those things? I got more offers and better offers for more money and things that I was willing to do. So my advice to you is go in there and be like, look, I'm not getting micromanaged by this dude anymore. I'm just not. I know the job better, I can do it better, I'm being talked to like I'm a child, it's giving me anxiety every day, it's a burden for me every day, I'm going to go somewhere else if it doesn't, if they say go somewhere else, really fucking go, let them call your bluff, because I'll tell you what, if you like what you do at that deli, or you like the deliveries and you like what you do, I'm sure you could find it somewhere else, be happier and be more successful and make more money, and you will make more money if you're happier, Um, thank you for the submission, Uh, two more people, two more, Let's see where we are on time. All right, hour and four. We're going a little longer today, everybody. Uh, Here we go. This one, Mike Vick. Hey, Paul. This record, Regarding Vick, I do forgive him in a sense that he has paid his debt to society. I have not, however, forgotten the heinous acts he committed. I don't think growing up seeing cruelty absolves you from having a conscience. I agree with that. I don't think he should still be in prison, get executed, or burn in hell. If I ever met him, I'd treat him like a human being and not judge him for for his past. That being said, I don't mind seeing a highlight of him there, here and there, but I would uh, be turned off by a celebration of his career. As a Lions fan, sadly... um, If it was the same situation with Barry Sanders, I'd feel this way as well, Kurt. Well, thank you, Kurt, for that. And I think that that's a very honest, you know, I think this is, you know, a good assessment of it. Like I said, you know, um, Mike Vick did something so heinous to these dogs that when I walk my dog, I actually sometimes think about it. But then I'm like, then I look at, you know, you know, listen, I have to believe somebody when they tell me something that, 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 That they've really learned. And I do think you learn from losing a hundred million dollar contract. And I know he made money in endorsements and elsewhere. But when you lose a hundred million dollars from the NFL and you go to prison for almost two years or a year and a half, and you're in a small cell, and then you come out and say, I realize what I did was wrong, he even went as far as to say he was living two lives. So that to me seems like he was like, you know, um, and I know, listen, animal lovers, you never want to see that guy. If you have dogs and you love dogs, and you think of this guy fucking drowning and hanging dogs. It's an awful, awful thing. Um, but, you know, when you hear somebody say that I've changed, when you hear somebody say that I'm saving dogs' lives all the time... He was talking about, you know, talking to his daughters and his family, and they have a Rottweiler now that they love and respect, and he t- teaches his kids to respect animals. And that he made a mistake. What am I gonna do? Sit and be like, no, fuck him. That's bullshit. Go back to what he did. Again, it goes back. It goes back to the Meryl Streep thing. You can go back and talk about what somebody did that you don't like, but you know, we can't go back in time. So to me, that's not progressive. You know, when you're not progressive in life. Like I can't fuck with you if you're not moving forward all the time. I can't because that's what successful people do. And I and I, I'm not trying to make this some big life lesson about the Mike Vick thing. But I love what you said here, where you said if you met him, okay, if you met him in, in in person, you would treat him like a human being. And you never know. Maybe he would, you know, if you let's say let's just say this for every Mike Vick hater out there. Let's say this, and and this is totally hypothetical. How would you feel if you sat down with Mike Vick and you had a meal, right? You met him and he's like, no, have a meal with me, sit down. And he bought you a drink and he talked and you were just talking football, nothing about the dogs. And then he, he said, yeah, and you know, I don't know if you're a dog, I don't know if you're a dog lover or not, but the elephant in the room is, you know what I did and you know that I... I went to jail and I did this and I did horrible things to dog, which I regret all the time. And I'm trying to make amends and save dogs lives through the, you know, through PETA or the ASPCA. And I'm teaching my kids not to be cruel. And I did that. And I just want you to know, cause you watched me that if I, if that bothered you, I really do apologize. And, and I've learned from my ways and I'm sorry. And, um, you know, thanks for treating me like that. Wouldn't you walk away from that going, all right, man, look, the guy did time. He lost a lot of money. Yeah, it's a piece of shit thing But he seems like he's moving on And good on him That's how I look at it And that's just how I look at life Maybe you wanna call me all oh, Too positive or too optimistic That's all I can be Cause I can't just look at somebody And be like, um You know Ah, fuck that, forget it Like, I don't live like that I, Honestly, I don't live like that You know, listen Some things are unforgivable And as horrible as this is to say Cause I do love dogs I, I got a dog I got two cats I love animals you know, if, he's ki- if he killed people, that's, that's unforgivable, and what he did with the dogs is, is, is so fucked up. And it's not really that you forgive him. It's that you could kind of forget about it and move on, but you never forgive, but you just you just, or maybe I'm sorry, you never forget, but you forgive and you move on. All right. Wow, a lot of you guys fucking are hitting on the Mike Vic thing. Okay, um, wow, this one is really fucking long. All right, this is going to be the last one. Hold on. Let me see. All right. There's two more. There's two more. One is really long and one is short. Do I have time? I'm going to try to bang these out and then I'm going to wrap it up. Okay. So don't worry. Usually guys, the next week after a long unacceptables like this is, um, is not as much but you know what, fuck that, I don't know why I'm apologizing, I'm such a, like, half the, like, people have wrote in, said, I love the unacceptables, keep it up, and only, like, one or two people were like, oh, sometimes it's too long, and then, like, a dickhead, I'll get insecure for a second and go, man, I got to appease everybody, and that's the exact opposite of what I try to do, so, I am going to read it, you know, I'm going to fucking read it, because my fan wrote it into me, that's why, so fuck it, here we go, this one, fishing etiquette unacceptable, all right, here we go with the last name. This is from Anthony Scott McGallacher. I hope I got that right. Okay. I've never had a fishing unacceptable. So this this is this is a first, okay? So it's long, but we'll see what happens. Here we go. What's up, Paul? Here's an unacceptable for all the f- the fishermen out there. I'll do my best to keep it short as it's really four unacceptables. <laughs> In one short amount of time, uh, New Year's weekend, I was in uh, the Grand, uh, Rio Grande Valley to celebrate the New Year with my fiance and her family. It's still, uh, it's still in the seventies down there, so I decided to spend. Um, I got to make sure that I'm not losing. Vo- I mean, I'm not losing content here. Okay, here we go. Sorry about that. Um, so I decided to spend all day Saturday fishing out um, on South Padre Island before celebrating the new year that night. After hitting my regular spots all morning, I decided to go to the south end, uh, jetties, f- uh, for the remainder of daylight. Once out on the jetties, I, uh, picked a spot about 40 yards to the right of this friendly old man. There was plenty of space for us to both fish comfortably with our lines, uh, drifting, uh, to the right, into deeper water, and the next person closest to me was at least a hundred yards down the wall to my right. The old man and I were the only ones catching fish. After about thirty minutes, this guy, his girlfriend, and their dude friend came strolling down um, the granite blocks, uh, looking for a place to fish. Just seeing the look in their eyes gave me this vibe where I knew, for whatever reason these specific folks were about to piss me off on my relaxing day off from work. Okay. As they passed me, these fuckheads with at least a hundred yards of space, uh, choose from, decided, uh, they just had to post up not even 10 yards to my right. First unacceptable right there. All right. I thought I picked this specific spot because it looked good. So maybe, uh, they know what they're doing and everything will be gravy uh no longer than 30 seconds after I told myself uh this did things start to go wait a minute no longer than 30 seconds after I told myself this things start to go even further south the old man and I both have our lines in the water and they are drifting to the right meanwhile I'm watching the dude friend ring up his rod and start walking closer to me as he's about to cast. This is where my blood really starts to boil. Uh, I mean, it's taking everything in me to not ask the guy if he just wants to hold my fucking hand while we fish together. As soon as he gets to the edge, this little fucker casts out at least a 180 degree angle along the wall to the left where my line is in the water to the right. Casting directly over my line. Also, he crisscrossed you. Yeah, that's fucked up. Uh, I gave the idiot a look like I was going to put him through the fucking seawall and said, Hey, man, come on. You see our lines drifting to the right. Uh, why would you cast over here? It was obviously this guy, obviously, this guy had no idea what he was doing as he just smiled at me while reeling in and uh, just kept telling me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. As he then ran away to hide behind his friends on the other side, not only do I have these people in my fishing bubble, their idiot friends' incompetence just somehow became my problem. Of course, I thought about moving, but since I was catching fish and uh, there before them, there was no way my (laughs) my pride was about to have these assholes relocate me. Second, unacceptable. Okay, next one. After watching... These three idiots catch fish after fish uh, with, oh, so they started catching fish now. With none of myself or the old man, I needed to uh, re-rig my line. As I'm sitting there working on my line, the little guy, the little guy comes back to the spot where he crossed me, casts out, and this time crosses the old man's line without the old man knowing. This time I tell him, come on, man, you just did the same thing to me. Uh, why don't you find somewhere else to fish, again, with a smile, with a smiling face, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and he's uh, reeling in, this guy gets his line uh, in with the old man's line caught uh, in his hooks, and right as the old man notices, the guy pulled his line in, I looked over, uh, and what does, let me just make this bigger here, And what does that little foreign bastard do? He fucking takes his knife and cuts the old man's line. What the fuck? This time the old man and I start giving the guy shit. And he did the same thing uh, he did last time. Uh, Last time I gave him shit. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And ran the fuck off. Th- uh third and major unacceptable. If this mother if that motherfucker did that to me, he'd be le- uh he'd be learning how to swim with the sharks real fucking quick. I almost couldn't believe that this really happened. That that really happened. The old man was as uh as we from the valley say cagged. I never heard that expression before cagged, basically meaning bummed. Yeah, go with bummed cuz cagged is fucked up. I was fucking, this guy pissed me off, I was cagged, Uh, basically (laughs) meaning bummed, so I decided to help him out and re-rig his line with some of my gear, fish on, here's the unacceptable that really infuriated me, after a bit, I see the three people looking in my direction like something is going on, all of a sudden, the little foreign bastard, I love how, I love how the foreign is put in there, the same way you guys are like, oh, and he's Vietnamese too. Uh, everybody throws a little sprinkle of racism or like prejudice, including myself. Everybody just has a little, not that it matters, but you know, he was an Asian driver. I'm just saying, I just want you to know. I just want everybody to know he was an Asian driver. Okay. Uh, this little foreign bastard and other guy's girlfriend took their lines out of the water, put up their rods and, uh, went and sat on the blocks just watching their friend fish. At this point, I'm wondering what's going on. So I turn around and lo and behold... Uh the game warden is walking down uh the walking down the jetties doing his license and limit uh okay, limit checks. It was then I knew. Not only did these motherfuckers come and fuck up mine and the old man's fishing, uh it'd be willing to bet uh two of them didn't have fishing license. Oh sure enough, when the warden came, only the guy fishing uh, got a ticket for fishing with an invalid license, uh, and as soon as he left, they went, uh, they went back at it, all right, uh, not only did these pieces of shit invade my bubble, cross two of our lines, and cut the old man's line, they were fishing without licenses, meaning they shouldn't have even, um, fucking been there, uh, and they were catching all of the fish, unacceptable, tie these fuckers up to a bow, have Kelly Meyer shit all over them and chum the waters. <laughs> These fucking animals need to be fed to the sharks. Fucking unacceptable. Hashtag shark bait. Hashtag unacceptable. Sorry for the long read. Hope it went quickly. Wish you and your family an outstanding 2017. Thank you for what you do. Take care, Scott. Uh, yeah, but it's always the guys without the license, right? It's always going to be the guy without the license. It's always going to be, you know, your day off, minding your business, you and an old man. You know, it sounds like a fucking the beginning of a novel where you and the old man. this, This sounded so nice that even when you were painting the picture, I looked for a spot. There was an old man. And then I just pictured like if it was a book. You and the old man talking. You finding out that the old man is sick and he has no family. You taking the old man in. Next thing you know, the old man and you become fucking best friends. You know, you you, you hang with him until his last days. He's like got Christmas sweaters on at your house. And it's like, you know, and you call it the fucking old fisherman and me. And everything is going to be nice. That's how that started. And then it turned out that fucking three assholes came and fucked it up. Thank you for the submission. Here we go. Last one. It's not that long at all, actually. It's not long at all. Uh, oh, this is a recommendation for everybody. So if you go out to Austin, not an unacceptable, but a recommendation for Austin Barbecue. Well, the best one that I went to when I went to Southwest um, was La Barbecue. It was the best I've ever had. But let's see what you say. Hey, Paul, I'm not writing you to complain about a bunch of animals, but I do have a question for you. I remember you said on a podcast a while back, that you went to Austin for the South by Southwest Festival and the locals recommended a barbecue joint that was way better than Franklin's. Me and my wife are going to Austin in a few weeks um, to celebrate our one-year anniversary and I've been dying to try Austin barbecue. I don't want to go to a big touristy spot. Plus, uh, I've heard that Franklin is overrated and I'm not interested in waiting four to five hours in line for food. If you can remember the name of the place that... Would be real that would really help me out. I appreciate it. Thanks, Paul. Matt, well, Matt, I hope you and uh, your lovely lady friend there, happy anniversary, by the way. uh, Enjoy La Barbecue. It is called La Barbecue. When I landed in Austin um, and I talked to, uh, I was actually in Austin two times close to each other. But the when I did the South by Southwest festival there, which was fucking awesome, by the way, such a great time that was. But um, everybody, like even like the people that live there and the cab drivers and and all that stuff, they were like, "Don't go to uh, don't go to Franklin. Franklin is like two hours. You're gonna be there forever. It's so long. It's not that good." And um, they said go to La Barbecue. I went to La Barbecue and it was nuts. Like uh, who was there? South by Southwest was such a, such a big festival. All the you know, I saw like, you know, uh, Adrian Brody and, and uh, a- actually out at night. But um, at La Barbecue, we saw some famous, I forgot the guy's name, Asian dude on the Food Network. My manager at the time, uh, David Kimowitz, recognized him right away. Also saw Russell Simmons. Russell Simmons was there. It, we waited in line, I would say, maybe 40 minutes, not even and it was the best brisket I've ever had, I had a piece of beef that I'll never fucking, I, I, it was, it melted in your mouth, they give you a little sample when you get there, they just put a fucking thing of meat, if you like meat, okay, and, and, you know, and beef, and fucking just, oh, that barbecue, go to La Barbecue, they just put wax paper down on a tray, and they slap me a fucking, I think we got ribs, that were the size of, like, insane, but the, the brisket, I'll never forget, was one of the greatest tasting pieces of meat I've ever had in my life. And right when you, like, they reward you when you finally get up there after 40 minutes, and they give you a chunk of it while you're ordering, and then you could order the sides. But I would say La Barbecue, you guys will go nuts. Um, I, it was an outside kind of truck, but also establishment, so I don't know how it's going to be when it's cold, but it's Texas, so I'd imagine it's going to be no different. So check that out. Thank you guys for the Unacceptables. Uh, If you want to submit your Unacceptables to the Verzi Effect, please submit them to Unacceptables for TVE at gmail.com Now, guys, like I said, um, it's basically going to be the end of the show soon because I don't have a movie that I can review uh, at all. So, um, didn't really see anything. Monday we are off because of Martin Luther King Day, so I will be taking my son and maybe my wife because I think my little girl can't do it. So somebody's going to watch her. But I want to go see the Star Wars Rogue One. Because everybody's saying it's really good. So I'll check that out. Um, what are you, a fucking nerd, Verzi? You like Star Wars? Listen, dicks. Yes, I do. I've watched it from a kid. My dad took me when I was a kid. I watched all the movies. I like that shit. All right? Um, let's see. Looks great, but actually... Sh- okay. I got an unacceptable from Joe Mattarise. Comedian Joe Mattarise. Twitter. And his uh, t- uh, Twitter feed is at Joe Matarese. Apple is like restoration hardware. Looks great, uh, but is actually shitty. They give my computer back. Still broken. Hashtag unacceptable. All right, Joe. Hey, I left Apple and I got to go back because I got the Android. I had an Apple and I was fine and comfortable and loved it. And then stupid me sees a big screen that's curved on the sides and waterproof. Like I'm going to jump into a fucking ocean with my phone. And I'm like, yeah, I'll get the Galaxy 7. It's new, right? It's waterproof. And now I have so many people going. You got to change it. Everybody. Comedy manager. You got to get it. It's with my buddy. Shout out to my buddy Pete Davidson. You guys know Pete Davidson. He's been on the show. Pete Davidson also. Cast member of Saturday Night Live. I was hanging with Pete last night. He's like, bro, you got to get a fucking iPhone again. Your your texts come up uh, green and I don't trust them. Everyone else is like, why the fuck did you leave? And now I'm starting to question it. I don't know why I left um, Apple at all. Uh, Let's see here. This one is from Pat. uh, uh, Shaughnessy? Shaughnessy? Shaughnessy. At P underscore Shaughnessy. S H A U G H N E S S Y. The way to the airport. Hashtag animal. Hashtag savages, a guy is in a bus with his bare feet up in the air over the, over the thing, um, alright, is that it, is that it, um, oh, thank you guys, you guys complimented me for my um, unacceptable segment on the NFL Network, I appreciate that, alright, so there we go, that's it, we're done with the unacceptables, I did not see, I did not see Um, a movie and as far as sports I already talked to you guys about the Giants what else can I say the New York Knicks suck again I can't believe it I can't believe they are not at least over 500 looking like they could get out of the first round with the talent they have again they suck what needs to be done I'll tell you what needs to be done I didn't think I was going to say this this early in the year you got to blow up the team Get rid of everybody except Christoph Porzingis. I said it. Christoph Porzingis is it. He's the future. He's a second-year player. He's a young kid. Get rid of fucking everybody, and let's get new kids and build, and hopefully in four or five years when LeBron James is fucking on his last leg and getting out of the league, we could do something in the East. Please, for the love of God, we have to do that, okay? Okay. Uh, and that's it for sports. (laughs) Uh, all right, guys, last, uh, but not least plugs. I have a ton of dates coming up, uh, in the first quarter of the year. Please check out actually the new updated. I'm gonna actually put this on my social media, but the new updated uh, paulverzi.com my website. It has clips of me doing stand up. It has clips of me on True TV's Comedy Knockout. It has clips of me on the NFL Network, and it even has a sketch that we did for Funny or Die. Uh, it has all the show dates. Like I said, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Um, where else? Uh, New York Comedy Club, The Stand, Stand Up New York, Danger Dangerfields, did I said that, I said that, Gotham Comedy Club, um, going to Charlotte, I will be in Charlotte, North Carolina performing with Bill Burr and Joe Bartnick, two shows at the Comedy Zone, Wednesday, February 8th, I will be at the Comedy Connection February 17th and 18th in Providence, Rhode Island. I will be at the Punchline in Atlanta in May. You can see all of these dates and more dates are always getting added to paulverzi.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Paul Send in your unacceptables, guys. I know this has been a long, long episode 289, but I felt like it was a good one. It went quick. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you guys for listening. Check me out of the show. Check out the podcast. And um, until episode 290, I am out of here. Have a great week, everybody.